Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. On this week's show, we have a jam-packed episode, so we hope you enjoy it. So sit back, relax, grab a cold beverage, and let's talk everything there is to know in Louisiana outdoors. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Beaver Creek Game Calls. At Beaver Creek Game Calls, all of our calls are handcrafted and held up to the highest standards. Our goal is to provide a quality custom call that every hunter can afford. We strive every day with this goal in mind. We also take pride in our customer service because without you, we wouldn't be able to do what we love and that is to make quality custom hunting calls. All of our calls are proudly made in the USA. Visit us online at beavercreekgamecalls.com and let us build your next call. Tired of looking for that perfect hunting or fishing boat only to see that it's out of stock at your nearest dealer? Well, welcome to Game Changer Boats. We specialize in custom aluminum hunting and fishing boats. If you can dream it, Game Changer Boats can build it. Top quality craftsmanship and attention to detail is what we guarantee our customers. And we are proudly built right here in Louisiana. You can visit us on Facebook at Game Changer Boats. Or email us directly at GameChangerBoats at Yahoo.com. Contact Game Changer Boats and let's see what we can build for you. Hey everybody, good morning and welcome to another episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Robery, and as always, guys, I would like to welcome you all to this week's show. Uh, it is an absolutely beautiful morning here in South Louisiana. We have temperatures up in the... Uh, this morning, waking up, we're right around 42 degrees, uh, touching 40 degrees, and it has been nice and cool all week long. Lots of sunshine, so we have a lot to look forward to as we get closer to duck season opening up here. We did have a, co- uh, or I'm used to saying coastal, guys, but uh, we had a West Zone youth opener this weekend. Um, so it has kicked off officially here in Louisiana for some of us that listen to the show. I hope you guys are enjoying the beautiful weather. Like I mentioned, if you are having the opportunity to get into the duck blind, I know that we're looking forward to it. Uh, Jackson and myself are going to be heading out after we wrap up this podcast this morning. We're going to be doing some scouting down in the Louisiana marshes and uh, looking forward to spending the day uh, doing that. So uh, daylight savings time is now upon us, guys. We officially rolled back the clocks last night with daylight savings time. So we're going to be having shorter days, less daylight this time of year, but that also means that it's waterfowl and hunting season, guys. So great time of year. Looking forward to it, and we are ready and fired up to get things kicked off and, and rolling here for our waterfowl season in Louisiana. But uh, but as always, like I said, want to thank you all for tuning in. Welcome to the show. Uh, we got a lot of feedback this week from our previous episode that we did with our guest, Mr. Thomas Robery, who's my father. Uh, really enjoyed last week's episode. If you guys have not had an opportunity to catch last week's episode, I highly, highly recommend uh, tuning in and trying to catch that episode because, boy, we told some stories of years gone by, and uh, having my father on was something that was really special to me to be able to have him on the show. I know we have been trying to get together for about two years. Unfortunately, I know it's it's sad that it took that long for us to do it, but uh, my, my dad was a big outdoorsman back in his younger days, and he had stories to tell uh, from years gone by that I was wanted to share with all of you who listened to the show. 
So I hope you guys enjoyed them. And from the feedback we got, you guys did. You had, you said you were in your vehicles laughing. Uh, couldn't stop laughing. I had several of you message me about it, uh, saying that you had heard a specific part of the show. You couldn't believe it, and you were you were dying laughing. So I know if you guys enjoyed it as much as I had fun bringing the show to you guys when I was interviewing him, uh, I couldn't control myself. I was laughing so hard I was crying. So we had a blast doing that show. And we have another great show on tap this week for you guys. Uh, we are going to be heading up to the Atlantic Flyway, guys, uh, via modern-day technology uh, and the Internet. And we are going to have a special guest on the show this week that I'm looking forward to. This gentleman is a uh, friend of mine uh, that we got to know each other through social media, following each other's pages on Instagram. And he is an avid waterfowl hunter just like we are down here. And, uh, and they have already kicked off their waterfowl season um, in West Virginia, which is where he's based out of. And we're going to be talking with Mr. Carl Birchfield of X-Files Waterfowl up in West Virginia, guys. And like I mentioned, they are in the Atlantic Flyway, so it's a completely different uh, area than we're accustomed to talking about here on the show. But uh, I figured you guys would be interested in meeting Carl. I'd like to introduce you all to him. Uh, because you know what? At the end of the day, he is a fellow waterfowl that enjoys the passion of duck hunting, just like all of us. And it's pretty cool to get a perspective from uh, a different flyaway of what they're seeing uh, so far this season. Uh, they, Like I mentioned, they have already opened up their season in West Virginia. So we're going to get a report from Carl on how it's been going so far and kind of what they're hunting, what they're seeing species-wise, and, uh, and so on and so forth, guys. So we hope you enjoy it. So... At this time, I'd like to uh, try to get Carl on with us. Let's welcome him into the show. So bear with me one second. For those of you who are on YouTube uh, watching the stream, we're going to bring Carl in right about now. Carl, good morning, buddy. Can you hear us? Yeah, good morning. Good morning, my man. So how is it going? We were we were kind of talking to each other before we got on, uh, on the live recording, and uh, I just told you, I thank you so much for spending some time with us on this week's podcast. Uh, I know you are uh, someone who has got to know us through social media and listening to the podcast. And, man, yes. uh, you're an avid waterfowl hunter, so I'm glad to have you on the show, man. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate you asking me. I really enjoy your podcast. And like I say, uh, become pretty good friends here. You know, when you meet fowl, waterfowl hunters, they're all basically about the same. And they're all, you know, Talk duck, and that's what we'll do. That's exactly right, man. It's so funny. I saw a meme about a week ago, Carl. It's like duck hunters, you know, when not during the season, and it's like they super friendly to each other. And it says those guys meet up on the same public piece of property to hunt, and you you enemies at that point. A lot of people <laughs> look at it. They have that funny meme. Yeah. And uh, and that's really, you know, you do see some of that, Carl. But it, it's 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 really, man, waterfowl hunting community is the you know a really tight-knit community no matter where you're from in your geographics right right and, and and there is some people it's like that and i try not to be like that especially the new hunters i've seen so many new hunters get shunned and so i try to help them out as best i can yeah and we're the same way man that's what started this whole thing for us to be honest with you uh it was something that i could you know get to do with my sons you know jackson through social media as yeah. well uh, I know he follows your page, and, uh, you know, I, that's really what started it all, was getting them involved, just new hunters coming to the sport, man, because 
I, you know, in the grand scheme of things, Carl, I think we've kind of missed out as a as a group of uh, you know outdoorsmen. I think we've kind of uh, you know kind of missed out on bringing some of these new hunters to the sport. In my opinion, that's just my opinion. And you know, for years when the whole Doug Dynasty thing kicked off a few years ago, uh, they had older hunters like myself saying, "Oh man, this younger generations they don't know how to hunt." Uh, they're the Doug Dynasty generation, you know, and. It got a little, it got a little frustrating with them sometimes. But when I look back at it, we might have not took the time to introduce the, that that generation to do it the right way, you know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's, it's what uh, you know. A lot of you youth don't get to, you know the opportunities like we had. Because when I first started, uh, I met a gentleman that I worked with, and he took me under his wing and showed me everything. So, you know, like I said before, I try to do the same thing because I've seen so many hunters get shunned. So I try to help out. Yeah. I mean, I don't do much, but I try to do the best I can. That's right. And that's an awesome thing to do, man. If we could introduce more hunters with all the crazy stuff we got going on now in the world and all the, the fighting against trying to take guns away and all this different stuff, outdoorsmen need to stick together and we need to teach the younger generation. Yeah, I agree. And especially waterfowl. I think, I don't know the statistics, but I'm pretty sure the waterfowl, as far as the groups, is probably the smallest group out of like say deer hunters, turkey hunters and like that. And we don't have as many people getting involved hunting wise says people following whitetail, going out in whitetail hunting. So I think whatever we can do to get the youth in involved or any hunter actually to Waterfront to keep our sport going, you know, is, is a plus. That's right. That's right. And you bring up a good point, Carl. I would agree. We are probably the smallest group of hunters out there. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just duck hunting? It's a lot to get involved in whenever somebody starts up or they don't have access to bring bring somebody that's maybe interested in waterfowl hunting. What What do you think is the situation there? I will say it probably access. You know the bring somebody you know and maybe the the areas because not everybody has uh you know well west virginia for example is not known as a duck hunt state you know so we don't have a lot of ducks like you guys do down there so some people probably don't have less than what we got so they probably don't get you know introduced to waterfowl like we we do here yeah and that, that's a really good point i think access has a lot to do with it uh, some states really manage the, the public land hunting a lot better than others. Uh, I know here in Louisiana, we have a lot of a lot of land here. And, uh, you know, people that I've talked to from outside of Louisiana looking in, they say, man, you guys have unlimited access to wherever you want to hunt. But honestly, at the end of the day, that's really not the case because a lot of it's privately owned. A lot of it's leased land that you have to lease. And nowadays, that's just not cheap, Carl. You know, it's expensive. Uh, to get a, at least duck blind, it, it's absolutely outrageous nowadays to be able to do that. So you therefore have to be pushed to, to public hunt, and everybody knows how tough public hunting can be, you yeah. know, especially for somebody breaking into the sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, uh, public's pretty much all we got up here. I got a few private spots. Then we got the high river that we hunt on too. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's tough to get into. Yeah, definitely. Now. We were talking a while ago before we got on. We were saying, uh, you said, boy, I wish I could be on my back porch this morning uh, recording this podcast. It's a, it's a little different up in West Virginia from what I, I hear weather-wise right now, huh? Yeah. Uh, 
when I uh, got up this morning, it was about 27, 28 degrees. And right before we got on here, I looked at my phone and it said 32 degrees. So it's a little chilly up here right now. That's right. That's right. So you guys are obviously in a completely different flyway than we are here. We're in the Mississippi flyway down in Louisiana. You guys are up in the Atlantic flyway. And, uh, and like I was telling our listeners at the beginning of the show, uh, you guys have already kicked off your waterfowl season in West Virginia. So fill us in a little bit on what, what's, what you saw and uh, when your season kicks off, differences compared to what we have, because we obviously have not kicked off waterfowl season officially here in Louisiana yet. So how, how's things working in West Virginia where you are? Sure. Uh, our first season started October 1st. We have a two-week early duck season. and It's primarily wood ducks and teal, what we see up here. Occasionally we'll see maybe some mallards, but last couple of years we, there hasn't been any mallards. But it's probably one of our best wood duck years in a long time. And uh, I think it had to do with uh, covid because last year uh, you weren't allowed to, I hunt in a, a wildlife management area, and, and it's a lottery hunt the first two weeks. So last year, the only way you could get in there to hunt is if you had a draw. And they didn't take no walk. Normally, they take in walk-ins after they do their lottery. Well, last year, then there was no walk-ins, strictly letters. So I th- and wasn't very many hunters, so a lot of ducks didn't get shot last year. So I think, well, I mean, we were just covered up with good ducks, so like I say, we had one of our best seasons duck-wise. Yeah, it looks like it so far, man, because if we follow you uh, or if you go check out Carl at X-Files on Instagram, that uh, y'all laying it down pretty heavy on those wood ducks right now up there in West Virginia, man. He's, they are slaughtering some wood ducks. And, Carl, you guys up there, is it, is it still a three-duck limit on wood ducks like it is down yes, there? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Still three ducks. Okay. So yeah, three ducks. So you got to be motivated as a, as a public land hunter to get up and go, because if you're not seeing a whole lot of other species, uh, that could be a quick hunt pretty quick for you. Oh Yes, it can be. Like some years we have a lot of teal. Um, so you go, we try to do a little teal hunt after we get our wood duck limits, but it's, uh, you know, about usually by the time wood ducks season or that's what we call early duck season, uh, teal are mostly going. They might be a few up here, but most of them are going. Now, when you talking teal, you see in teal, is that blue wing, or y'all y'all get a a, a group, or y'all get a, mainly green wings at that time of year? Well, we get, it's mainly green wings, but we do have some blue wing, a little bit of both. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, we, you know, uh, our teal season opens up here in Louisiana right around September, mid part of September. Uh, we open up actually small game hunting season in October, first weekend in October. So uh, we're a little bit behind y'all, you know, as in comparison. But uh, we mainly blue wing till in September. Uh, green wings typically don't show up till right around this time for us for a big duck season opener here in Louisiana. Yeah, uh, I'd say uh, usually they're gone by the time we go. We got a season opening up tomorrow. It's our mid-season. We got a week here. So they should be all gone. But I have seen them. I actually have seen teal up here in December before. So. Uh, it just really depends. Yep. Now, Carl, how, how long have you been? How, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? What generation are you from? 54. I'm uh, from a little town called Point Pleasant. It's right along the High River there. Okay. 
So you you kind of have you in your opinion, you know, everybody talks about the decline of waterfowl hunting and less and less birds. It seems like every year that that seems to be the case. Uh, you know, what what have you seen since you started? When did you get into waterfowl hunting? Was it at a young age? Was it no, later in life? It was later in life. Uh, like I said, I met a friend of mine. Uh, he hunts with us in my group uh, that I work with. And uh, that was probably about 18. I've been water hunting about 18 years now. And uh, that's how I met him through him. I started through him. And uh, that's, you know, I missed out a lot of my youth because some of the stories, he, he'd been hunting a lot longer than I had. And he just tell me about, you know, before I hunted it. It was a lot of ducks up there where we hunt at, and it's you know it's dropped off over the years. Yeah, yeah, and that seems to be no matter where you are across the United States, that seems to be the story that most people tell. Uh, you know, back in the day, it was so much better than you see nowadays. You know, but uh, you know, and, and that definitely has been the case for the most part. But uh, you know, like we talked about earlier, you definitely seeing less hunters coming to the sport now. Uh, which, uh, you know, and I think that has something to do with it. And, and migration patterns have changed. I know here in the Mississippi Flyway, it's definitely changed here in Louisiana. So there's a lot of different things that, that have contributed to that. But that seems to be the common core theme across the board, no matter who you talk to, you know. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, for some, most time it's teal and wood ducks up here. But I can remember when I first started, you'd see a few mallards around and everything. But over the, the last – maybe three, four years, it's been less and less. And now we didn't hear or see any this beginning of this season. So I don't know if that's going to be a sign of what's going to be coming in the late season. Usually late seasons when we start seeing a lot of our big ducks. So hopefully that'll, it won't be the case. We'll start seeing a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now do, do y'all get gadwall down in there? What other species do you come across in West Virginia? Because like you mentioned earlier, West Virginia is not typically known as a big waterfowl state, right? Right, right. Uh, but the last two uh, late season, well, our late season is December 23rd through January 30th. And usually by the time January gets here, we start getting some pretty good ducks. So last two years, we've had a lot of gadwall, a lot of black ducks. The mallard numbers – they stay about the same. We don't really get no big, at least where I'm hunting at. Now, maybe in other parts of the, like up north in Wheeling, West Virginia, along the high river, they might see more. But where I'm at, we don't see typically a lot of mallards. So we see a few. Now, if, we, if you hunt the high river, you're going to see all kinds of stuff. Because if you think about the high river, when them ducks come down north, they use the high river as a guide to get to the south. You know, it's like a uh, it's a highway for them. They fall that river all the way down to the south. So we we used to see a lot of mallards. You see, can I have friends kill canvasbacks on the high river, uh, buffalo heads. Uh, uh, there was another species I can't think of. Uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the, there was different species, a lot more different species when you hunt the high river. So we tried to hunt it a little bit. We don't have a big boat, so we had to hunt on the back and uh, – got kayaks so we have to wait till the river's pretty calm so we can get out there and retrieve our ducks so well that it sounds like uh, you know you guys get a pretty good mixed bag and that was a question i was about to ask you the style of hunting that y'all do you know compared to down south down here we have a lot of guys that have mud boats uh you, you you've heard of go devil you've heard of pro drive gator tail all these brands and those are companies based here in louisiana because 
you know, a lot of the mud motor sales are sold down here in the south because of our shallow marshes and stuff like that. But uh, I was going to ask you about that. Like, what's what's the typical setup for you guys in West Virginia as far as mud boats go? Do y'all do guys use mud boats up there, or is it mainly you know you kayak on like you kind of touched on? What's what's a typical setup up there? I don't know if anybody has the mud motors on their boats. Uh, they they probably, probably are, but uh, I don't know of any place in West Virginia that you would use them. Uh, but most people have the typical duck hunting boats on the Ohio River. Now, where we hunt at in the, the WMA that I hunt at, we mostly use kayaks. So that's our, that's our biggest thing. That, that, we've been using kayaks for the last three or four years, and that was a big game changer for us. It allowed us to hunt areas that we just couldn't possibly hunt before. So, yeah, kayaks are our main thing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've had some experience kayak uh, hunting before. I, that, to be honest with you, Carl, that's something I really enjoyed. Uh, before I got a mud boat, you know, uh, I, I purchased a kayak years ago when I wanted to access public land areas and I wanted to get into some areas kind of away from the, the hunting pressure. And to be honest with you, that's a whole nother niche that I think is oftentimes overlooked uh, because it does free up a lot of area for you to get away from some of that pressure when you are in an area that has a lot of guys that have big hunting boats, you know, setups. Uh, and it's really, it, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, a getting back to nature uh, type hunt, in my opinion, you know, it's something about it. That's really special when you, when you get a chance to kayak or float a river, maybe in a canoe, do something like that and do some hunting. Yeah. I want to try to do more of that floating the river or creeks. Uh, from what I looks, I looks awesome. I haven't tried it yet, but I think that would be a good, way to go with kayak and duck hunting but yep. uh, yeah you're right it allows you to access to get away from, especially when you're hunting a lot of public area i mean sometimes that could be some hunters up there that we hunt at then there's days up there when it's just my guys hunting up there so and uh, you know but when there are uh, a lot of people up there it allows us to go to places that you know normally a lot of people can't go so Yep. Yeah, it opens up a lot of access for sure. And uh, and really, the birds are accustomed to, you know, down here, we see it all the time. We'll have birds. We'll scout like today. Me and Jackson's going to head out scouting after the show today. And, uh, you know, you'll have birds that are in a particular area holding. And you hear this story very common down here. Uh, you know, the, oh, I had birds yesterday when we scouted. But then, you know, we show up tomorrow morning to hunt and those birds are left the area because, they're hearing these mud motors coming through the, you know, the marshes, through the swamps. And these birds have conditioned themselves to where they, they know they're educated, you know. So they get up and they move. But when you hunt a kayak or something like that, you have a lot. You don't have that noise and that, that, that you know, all that chatter going around throughout the day. And you can scout an area, go in there and make a hunt, and those birds aren't disturbed like they are when you have access with these big mud motor setups and all that type of stuff. Yeah, that's a good point there because, I mean, stealth can mean a lot right there, sneaking up, you know, scouting, like you're saying. You, you don't want to spook your birds out of there. So kayaks are awesome, man. I mean, they they just – they allow, like I said before, the hunt allows us to get to places that you just could, could not get before. And then there's some ponds that we can get to, but if we hunt them, we don't have a dog. So if we down a duck, all we got to do is just drag our kayak right up there and just you can retrieve it so that's yeah, just go out to get it that's right that's exactly right so as far as kayak setup what you got carl what you use i mean is it a certain length kayak that you you find better up there than than 
or is it a sit-in, sit-in kayak, sit-on top I, kayak? What's the setup? I used the beaver tail phantom. Uh, me and uh, me and my wife, one base got we both got phantoms. Then my other boat's got the final attack, and he's got a little um, trail uh, trolling motor on his. So like when we're hunting the river, that we'll use his boat. And he can just troll out there and retrieve our ducks and come back. But uh, yeah, the phantoms work great where we're at their light. Uh, I mean, we can get them around, we can transport them in our vehicles easy. Just them in the back of our truck. So. Yeah, definitely. I had, you know, I had some experience. I had, when I told you I had a kayak, I actually had the beaver tail uh, stealth kayak. And it was a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier, but that thing was absolutely amazing for stability-wise. And a big guy like me, I'm 280 pounds, six foot two. Uh, I'm not the most nimble on my feet. I, you know, I never have been. I'm not going to claim to say I was, but uh as I'm getting older, that, that 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 gets a little worse, I find. So going with something like the beaver tail products, like you said, they offer different kayak styles. That's something that uh that's I would highly recommend to somebody. They make a phenomenal product. And actually, Carl, I'm running a beaver tail mud motor down here in Louisiana. That's what I run. Cool. I got well, I'm a big guy too. And uh, one of the things I do like about the beaver tail, they are stable now. Like I said, I'm, I had the phantom and I, when I got that thing, I rocked it and moved yeah. it and did everything and what I could do to test it to make sure that I, my big butt ain't going to fall out of it. So uh, That's right. That's right. And they, they have that double catamaran bottom to them. It's yeah. a real stable setup, man. They, you know, we sold beaver tail, all the sneak boats and stuff like that when I was with Cabela's for all those years. Uh, and we every time we get those kayaks in stock, they they sell out immediately. Guys really did like them, and uh, and they were versatile down here just as well as anywhere else, you know. So they do make a very good kayak. That's for sure to do some hunting out of. So good product for sure. But uh, but what about let's talk about uh shotguns and stuff like that, Carl? What kind of you know going back to when you got into waterfowl hunting? And I always like to ask this. I'm watching a flock of ducks as we go. <laughs> they are flying over my house right now. Some wood ducks that just cut across. Uh, but anyway, going back to when you started out, what did Carl Birchfield start out with hunting-wise when it came to uh, shotguns for waterfowl? I started out with a Browning BPS. All right. And That's that, a nice one. Yeah, it was a real good gun. The only problem that I had and the only knock that I had is you load it in the bottom and it injects out of the bottom. A lot of times when the flurry was going on in the action, I would short chuck that thing and uh-huh. and drop a shell out the bottom. So, yep. I had, I had an Ithaca that I do the same thing with that was bottom eject like that. That was the only downfall on that gun. So after that, I said, I can't afford to buy shells all the time loosen them. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. They do, especially nowadays. They do yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I upgraded to Winchester SX3, and I absolutely love that gun. That gun, I put it through the mill. The only problem I ever had with that gun, I was goose hunting one year, and I didn't clean it before, uh, after I used it during turkey season. And I went to pull on a goose, and it went didn't do nothing and it was just dirty it was my it was my fault so after i've cleaned it i ain't had an issue and now now i make a point to to clean it after every use but uh, i mean but that thing a gun has been phenomenal for me 
Yeah, it's amazing what a cleaning will do to uh, help those guns operate. Oh, huh? yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at SS3, I, I probably know five guys right now, Carl, that, that would buy that gun from you in a second that are looking for that. I just talked to one of my good buddies the other day, and he told me, he said, man, I'm looking for an SX3. He said, if I could find one, he said, I'd snatch it up right now. Uh, but that's a phenomenal running platform. So that's a, that's a great gun for a waterfowler, definitely. Yeah, yeah, like I said, I, use, I love it, and I even use it for turkey season too. So it, it's it's an awesome gun. But it's it's yeah, definitely something that you could use uh, year round if you wanted to. So whenever we're talking about equipment, we often talk as waterfowl hunters about decoys. Uh, you know, that's something that comes into play. And it's pretty important to a waterfowl hunter. Um, so you know, you, with you being mobile, Carl, y'all hunting out of kayaks. And, and y'all have a group of guys that hunt together with, with X-Files. Is that how it is? Or yeah, is it you and your sons? Or what's the it's, setup there? It's me and uh, four other my buddies there. Uh, four, we all basically work together there, so that's how we all just started forming. Hunt. We started all actually hunting together. Then a few years ago, I come up, so I social media going on, really taking off. I thought I'll you know, start something for us, sharing our pictures and stuff. Then it led into the X Files, and it's really taken off for us. So hopefully, it keeps on growing. That's great, man. That is great. I know. I know. We enjoy following y'all on social media. Uh, you always have some good content on there. Uh, I know you started to get into the YouTube thing now. You're looking to start expanding a little bit on that. Uh, so, man, it's 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 always good because I'm. I'm, I find myself, my wife laughs at me because she's like, you know, she's like, you don't even, we don't even need cable anymore. She says, all we need is YouTube or Mossy Oak, you know, or Realtree app. And she said, you good to go. I said, yeah, that's exactly right. I end up watching more YouTube content than I do uh, any kind of cable unless it's uh, college football or something like that, you know. And that's fine because I've, I've talked the same thing about my wife. I said, we need to just get rid of cable because that's all I watch now is YouTube. <laughs> yep, it's true. It's true. I ended up getting that uh the YouTube uh subscription or whatever because I got I was found myself I was getting I was getting angry with watching commercials and stuff on it. I said I want to just be able to watch the video, so I ended up getting the unlimited deal or whatever. And uh and that's what I find myself watching. That's where all the content's at that I'll enjoy. Yeah, and, uh, it's a great thing, man. That's the great side of social media, you know. Yeah. So. That's always that's always entertaining and, and a good time. But uh, going back to decoys, I kind of got off subject for a second. But uh, you know, with you guys being mobile as far as kayak hunting goes, uh, what's the what's decoy setup like up up in West Virginia? Are we carrying in a dozen decoys, regular old deeks? Are we carrying motion decoys? Because uh, we talk about that on the show, how important motion is to our spread down here in Louisiana. What is a typical setup that you guys use in West Virginia for where you hunt? And if we're using decoys now, a lot of times we don't use decoys till late in the year. But if we are, it's usually a dozen or less. We never hardly use more than a dozen. And uh, if I'm using motion, uh, I got two uh, lucky duck spinners that I'll set out. Okay. Okay. So no decoys early in the season. And that's predominantly, I'm assuming, because you have a lot of wood ducks. Yeah, we might throw out a couple wood ducks, and if there's teal in the area, then we'll use a few teal decoys. But other than that, we, we don't use none until late in the year. Yeah, man, that, that sounds pretty good because we're carrying down here sometimes in our boats and stuff. We're carrying several dozen decoys. And uh, you can invest some money, bury some money pretty quickly uh, when you're trying to keep that up every year. But you guys seem – it appears to be a very light load 
for the most part. Yeah, well, we try to keep it like because some of the places we get, have access to, we got to do some walking or driving. We don't want to drag a lot of stuff. And for one, it's heavy, and we like to try to keep our noise down as much dragging equipment like a boat or a sled or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, well, you got to be mobile whenever you're in that situation. You got to keep it light. That's for sure. Yep. Well, as far as Lucky Duck products, you mentioned that. I know I'm a big fan of Lucky Duck. Uh, I started using their products a couple of years ago, and we have no affiliation with Lucky Duck whatsoever, but I enjoy their products. I do talk about their products quite often, and uh, I've been very happy with their products as well. Um, you know, they, they I find they're very reliable. Uh, very durable and and they make a good product, you know, across the board. So I, I enjoy using their stuff. Yeah, same here. I've been using uh, Lucky Duck ever since they come out with that the HD there, the very first one. And uh, so yeah, I've had nothing but good success with them. Well, good, good. So you you kind of talked about uh, you know how X Files began and and started that page. Kind of tell all our listeners about X Files. What what you guys are is it is it mainly duck hunting? Obviously, you have a, a waterfowl name you know title to it. Um, is it something that ultimately the long term goal is to turn it into a business, or is it a freelance type situation? Because like I mentioned, you guys put out some really good content on Instagram. Uh, Y'all have a do y'all have a Facebook page as well, Carl? Yeah, we do have a Facebook page, and uh, but uh, I put most of my stuff on Instagram, and then it automatically goes to the Facebook page. So I, I spend most of my time on Instagram. I'll go over Facebook every now and then, but I spend most of my see like nowadays Instagram's where it is all at. So, and, I agree. And we don't have a lot of the bull that goes on on Facebook a lot, you know, compared yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. So, I mean, X Files was was a concept, something that you guys came up with to kind of start a social media platform. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was mainly just something where I could start sharing our pictures with. Because uh, every time we go home, we was taking pictures and stuff, and I thought, well, should just be neat to share them on. The... Well, I started to share them actually on my Facebook, my own personal Facebook page there, and then I thought, then I came up with the idea. Of, of X Files a few years ago, probably about three years ago now, and started doing using more and more on Instagram. So that's like I say, Instagram is primarily where I share everything now. And yeah. we're trying to break into YouTube now. I'm trying to do a little filming. I'm not best yet at filming, so uh, uh, we're still that's still a work in progress there. So, but yeah, we're yeah. trying to expand. It is for us. I have to be honest too. We're, we're uh, with Jackson helping me. It's being it's becoming a lot easier. He's going to be thirteen in January, and uh, now he's like, okay, Dad, I kind of enjoy filming behind the scenes, looking at it, you know, and, and looking at the hunt, and uh, that helps a lot when you got a guy who's a, who's a cameraman, and I'm not trying to film everything myself. You know, it's making it a little bit easier now, and uh, and but man. I see why it takes so much content call to get these these videos that we watch that are done professionally because it man it's a full time job you have to have multiple people on hand to uh, to get the video to get the shots and all that stuff it is not easy you know no it's not like I say I uh, started filming a little bit last year and I got some stuff but it's just not you know enough to really do I need more guys <laughs> or more cameras or something, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is tough. If you're really wanting to get something decent, uh, it is tough to try to film. 
That's right. That's right. You want to put out good content. You know, you want to be able to have something that's worth watching. And it, yeah. it's, man, it's a full-time job. I had a buddy of mine the other day. He told me, he said, man, how do you work full-time and, and do all the last stop waterfowl stuff? He said, man, it seems like you in the, you outdoors every day pretty much filming. I said, no. I said, it's just when we have the opportunity to get out there. We, uh, we try to get as much content as we can. And my wife, she don't even want to come with me no more. Because uh, she's so aggro. She's like, everywhere we go, you bring in the camera when we go outdoors. And I'm laughing. I said, yeah. I said, we're trying, to, we're trying to do this to, you know, to where I have something for my boys to look back on later on in life as they get older. If they still enjoy hunting, they'll be able to look back at, at everything we've done through the years and share those memories with their kids maybe or, you know, or with each other. I have two boys. You know, they'll be able to share that content with each other. And we can all look back at it. So, I enjoy it. It also acts kind of like a uh, kind of like a journal, I guess you could say, from year to year, because it helps us in, in our hunting patterns and what we choose to do and where we choose to go. Um, so it's it's not for the it's not for the publicity. It's not really for for the fame or nothing like that. It's more. For, it's just something that we can share with our family and friends, and then it also helps us from year to year as we hunt. You know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not in to make money because. Uh, that just it'd be great if it would but i just don't see it happen but i'm in right. just, just having fun i just i like doing it and uh sharing making memories sharing them and stuff and i got a new granddaughter i hope when she gets of age that I, i'm gonna get her in the duck vine with me and uh so that i hope that'll be something i can share with her and share this and that and maybe get her interested involved then uh i got one of my guys uh, alex Hewitt, he's been Film. He went, we went on a pheasant hunt yesterday, and he ran the camera for me all day. So I think he's going to do, do a little more filming too. So that'll make it easier for the group. Yeah, yeah, that'll definitely help when you got that guy kind of behind the scenes that's uh, filming everything. And uh, you know, nowadays with the technology, GoPros and all that type of stuff, it's it's it definitely makes it easier. It's pretty cool. Like I said, that's what it sounds like. Me and you end up watching most of our time when we're we got spare time. Uh, we're up up on YouTube, and when that's what we're watching, you know. And some of these guys, I, I'm so amazed at the content they put out there because social media has changed the game definitely. It's a uh, you know just technology in general has opened up uh, you know opportunities with all the mapping and stuff like that. Now I know we use OnX for our mapping source uh, and just stuff like that, man. You could hop online, Carl, and you could just you could scout online and then go out there and, and put that knowledge that you've learned to use in the field, you know. So it's definitely technology has played a big part in today's society as far as hunting goes. Oh, no doubt. Onyx has helped me out a lot. Why well, work? I can't get out all the time to go scout. And uh, I can just pull it up on the, uh, my laptop or, my, or on my phone and just, uh, you know, look at it and drop a pin here and there. Then when I get the opportunity, either go hunt it or go scout it when I can. That's and, right. Uh, Onyx is a big plus. Yeah, it makes you, you know, it just makes you so much more efficient is what it is. It, uh, yeah. you, you're not, we're not like back, you know, when I started out waterfowl hunting, you know, I started out with my father and then when I broke out on my own, you know, you had to literally go out there and spend hours and hours and hours. And at the time I was in school, I had, you know, I went to college, I was in school, so I had time to do it. But as you get a job and you get kids and all that stuff and life starts changing, uh, you don't get that access with a full-time job to be able to go out there and spend hours and hours scouting. So yeah, the technology right. has come along and helped that out, you know? Yeah, right. It's definitely helped us out a lot because I work a lot of hours and, you know, there's times when I can't get out there. 
And like I said before, you can just, I can even do it at work so when I go on break or lunch at work. Pull up my phone, you know, I've done that many a times to, to look at a spot. So, yeah, yeah, no doubt. It makes it a little bit easier, uh, you know, in, in utilizing your time that you do have available. Well, yeah. Carl, what, kind, what kind of work do you do? What do you do full time? I'm a furnace operator for uh, Toyota Motor Manufacturing in West Virginia. Wow, oh, that's awesome, man. That's all. That's awesome. So good old USA job uh, right here in the United States. So that's a, that's a good thing, man. That's great. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I'm actually in the marine business myself. I, I I sell boats for a living. That's what I do. I've been in the marine business for years now. <clears throat> and, uh, and uh, you know, I had a guy the other day. He said, man, he said, you must be on the water all the time. He said, fishing and hunting. I said, well, I said, I'll, uh, you know, in the summertime, to be honest with you, I said, I can't. I said, because I'm out there selling you a boat <laughs> and have a good time. I said, so I don't get to get that time out there. But in the off season. We uh we kind of slow down here, you know, and uh and we could go out and get a little bit more hunting done, which is all right, all right with me. Oh yeah, that's, that's kind of way my work is too. In the in the fall and the year, things slow down a little bit. People don't buy cars as much in the winter time as they do in the spring. So that's right. Over time. That's right. You know, down here in in Louisiana, it's kind of crazy because people say, well. Uh, you know, especially my friends out of state, they'll say, well, y'all must be kind of slow. You be able to hunt in the off season quite a bit. And really we slow down, but down here we can boat year round for the most part. You know, I got customers that buy pontoons in December, January. Uh, we don't really winterize boats down here because our, our temperatures just don't get cold enough for the most part. But, uh, we do stay somewhat busy year round down here. And that's a good thing for my business and for my career. So, oh, yeah. I don't take that for granted, but uh, I, I like my time off in all season to be able to do some hunting and go to the camp, man. So, yeah. you know, it's a good time of year. Now, do y'all do y'all have a camp down there? Is that something that's pretty common up there, or is it? Uh... I'm sorry, some people do, but we don't. Um, one of my buddies lives pretty close to where we hunt, and so usually what we'll do is. Uh, meet at his house sometimes or uh, after our hunt we usually go to his house and we'll clean our birds there and sometimes he'll cook up some duck for us and we'll eat some duck and make plans for our next hunt so that's, that's about as camp as we get right there yeah that's a good time that sounds like a good time man and you brought up a point i was actually going to ask you about duck recipes we're talking waterfowl I, i'm one of them boys i like to eat myself carl i like to stay in the kitchen a little oh, bit i hear you i got the same problem <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as far as duck recipes man what's our favorite duck recipe for carl oh that's a tough one. i get that asked that a lot and uh you know i really don't have nothing special uh uh just the basics, really. Uh, my friend Rob that hunts with, he has this thing where he takes, we take, we call it the duck tenderloin, that little sliver of meat that's behind the breast when you breast it. Yeah. Yep. And he seasons in with some Montreal steak seasoning and some other stuff. I think he puts on there. And he just throws them on the George Foreman grill for just a couple minutes. And Jacob, I'm telling you, things are absolutely delicious. They just melt in your mouth. They're oh, awesome. Yeah. That's probably the best duck that I've ever eaten like that. I tell you, man, we do something similar down here on the pit. We'll throw it on the Traeger on something like that. And that little piece of meat is such, such – it's that's almost like tenderloin back, backstrap for a deer on a duck, yeah. man. It is amazing. Yeah. And a lot of people throw that away sometimes. They'll, they'll dispose of it and kind of bypass it. They'll breast it out. 
But uh, yeah, you missing out if you are because that's an excellent piece uh, to be able to use for sure. Um, yeah, you still are. That's right. You know, down here in Louisiana, we have a lot of Cajun cooking. We have a Cajun background heritage, you know, down here. And we pop roast ducks, you know, pretty often down here. We'll make it what we call a sauce with a rice and gravy. Uh, is that something that you guys, do y'all y'all breast out most of your duck in your recipes? Or are y'all keeping, you know, a, a body, the cavity, and, and cooking it in a, in a down in a gravy? Or what, does, is that something that you see? We typically mostly breast out. Now, I have a couple friends that have smokers, and they'll take a whole duck and smoke it that way. But for us, mainly, we just breast them out and just uh, do the basics. A lot of times, uh, thumb on the grill, season thumb on the grill, maybe wrap them in bacon or something like that. Or sometimes we'll just uh, make duck nuggets and just deep fry them, and we'll season them in this little dipping sauce, you know. Yeah, I tell you, that's something. Duck nuggets is something that we tried uh, probably about seven, eight years ago, man. I had never, believe it or not, I, with all the ways we cook duck down here, different ways, I had never eaten fried duck breast. And one of my buddies, we were at his camp, and he said, man, he said, uh, we, we had some ducks left over from the previous year that he wanted to go ahead and cook. And he said, uh, he said, man, I have some chicken fry. He said, I think I'm going to batter these, uh, cut them up into nuggets, and I'm going to batter them up. He said, then we're going to fry them and see how they come out. And when I tell you, Carl, I like to kill myself eating on those things. <laughs> you talk about delicious. If you haven't eaten fried duck breast like that, you need to try it because it's amazing, man. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it is. It's awesome. It really is. It's just another way to cook it, and it's a simple, simple way you can get out there and enjoy it. And you can feed a lot of people. It, it's a great thing to do around the camp or around the house. People could drink beer and they can grab and pick in there and you know get them a piece and dip it and just have a good time. Great appetizer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yep. So no matter where you go across the country, we all like to eat and uh and and it's always good to share new recipes with each other. But uh yeah, duck duck breast fried is definitely something that you do not want to overlook, man. No, it's awesome. Uh, I don't know if you guys do much goose hunting, uh, but uh, when we goose hunt, we take our goose breasts, breast them out like we do a duck, and my buddy can make one of the best goose stews there ever was. I mean, it is just it's delicious. I, I love eating goose. I love it. Now, I don't get to goose hunt like I did growing up. I grew up in agriculture field territory. Uh, we had a lot of rice fields, and I, I, I did goose hunt back then. Uh, but nowadays, I, I live more toward the big city. We're not around access to the rice fields where I'm at now. So I don't get to goose hunt as much as I do uh, or used to. But uh, I, I know it's great to eat. I don't get my hands on it as much because I don't hunt it. But uh, but I enjoy some good goose hunting and eating goose. It's definitely, definitely good, good stuff for sure. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. I don't know if you caught the episode we did uh a couple of weeks ago on uh when we had Mr. Roland Cortez, who's a good friend of mine. He uh he was hunting up at uh he's gotten up at Dave's Bayou, which is a resort here in North Louisiana, Carl. And uh he had a trip that was they just got back from last weekend where they went to Stuttgart, Arkansas, and uh they did what they termed as a Cajun invasion uh guided trip where they went uh up there and did some goose hunting and man. Roland posted some pictures and they absolutely hammered the speckle bellies up there in Stuttgart last weekend. I think they ended up taking 15 to 20 people and they had like a limit within an hour, hour and a half. Everybody had limited out and they had these big stack of geese everywhere. So they, they hammered them up there, man. 
That's pretty good. Yeah, I did get to watch that. That was a good episode. Yeah, I wish we had specs around here. We're just now getting – we're starting to get a few uh, snow geese in the, late in the year. But ours is just primary uh, Canada's. Canada's, yeah. And you see, Canada's – that used to be real big down here in Louisiana. Canada geese were, would actually migrate to Louisiana years ago. And uh, that was one of their main, you know, wintering grounds. And nowadays, we don't get Canada's hardly down here anymore. If we get Canada's, it's all local birds most of the time. We, we, you'll see specks here. You'll see snow geese, that type of stuff. Mainly specks, though. That's our main species we see. Uh, yeah, Canada's, uh, they're, they're up here year-round, too. But we uh, get quite a few starting the, the, once the migration starts. And, I've heard guys killing some specks around here in West Virginia, but I have never seen them. I've seen snow geese, but not a lot. But uh, it seems like over the years, they're getting that population has grown. So hopefully, we'll get to where we start having a good, maybe who knows, spring conservation snow hunt someday. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a uh, that's something. That as numbers increase, hopefully that you'll see that and get that opportunity to do that. You know, so. Well, any questions for me, Carl? I know I get questions from my, my out-of-state friends all the time about Louisiana. You pretty tuned in, so you might not have any, but anything that you dine to know about hunting in Louisiana down here that you don't know? Um, what is your old main – like for us, obviously wood ducks are our primary duck here because yeah. we don't get a lot of others. But what is your old primary duck? Well, wood ducks is our primary. That's here. Uh, that's a given most of the time, you know, as far as wood ducks go. And uh, to be honest with you, but the second species I tell you that we get down here most of the time is going to be gadwall. That's good. Gadwall and teal. Gadwall, teal, and wood ducks are going to be our top three species that uh, we see more and more of uh, every year. Uh, you know, mallards, it used to be a big, big mallard, uh, you know, migration, you know, territory. But nowadays, we're seeing less and less mallards as well down here in Louisiana. They just aren't making their way down the flyway to us, you know, like they used to. They, uh, you're seeing more of them in Oklahoma, you know, Arkansas, obviously, with the, with the green tree timber they got up there. Uh, Missouri is another area. And it seems like they're, they're stopping in those areas before they really make big pushes down in Louisiana. We have to get cold, cold weather in order to be able to push them down to us nowadays, you know. Yeah, we kind of obviously you're further south than us, so it takes a lot to get them to go down there. But yeah, the cold weather from get here to us too. Now, do you all see a lot of different species in the later? What's your all's late season? I, well, okay, so we like we have two zones this year. They changed it up. We had a uh, we had an east zone, a west zone, and a coastal zone, which was marshes down along the coast, Gulf of Mexico, Venice, all those areas. Uh, and this year they went back to a two zone. It's an east zone and a west zone. So our our e or I'm sorry, our west zone is actually going to open up first split this coming weekend. Okay, and then we open up in the east zone where we predominantly hunt. Going to be the weekend after that, and then we'll go through the end of November, and then we'll close for a week and a half somewhere right around there, and then we'll open back up and go through the end of January for the second split. We're doing two splits. And uh, that's that's how they've been doing it for years. They just condensed the zones down to two zones this year is what they did. Uh, now, to touch base on different species, yes, we do see different species. We'll kind of get a mixed bag of everything down here for the most part. Uh, it's not uncommon, you know, in the river systems and, and the marshes to see bufflehead. Uh, Catahoula Lake, I don't know if you've heard of Catahoula Lake. That's a historic duck hunting area in central Louisiana. 
Um, ca canvas back now. That's a huge canvas back winner in the area. For, um, they have big numbers of canvas back up there. But we'll see canvas back. We'll see a lot of divers in the marsh, um, especially over the last several years. We, you know, where we used to get mallards and big numbers of teal, stuff like that. We'll see way more divers now. And a lot of that is being contributed, people are saying, to the loss of, of coastal marshland that we see deteriorating every year in Louisiana. Uh, but a lot of divers, um, big numbers of divers, uh, from redheads to, you know, skunk, all that type of stuff. So we see a lot of different species down here. Cool. Yeah, the last couple of years, we've been seeing a few, uh, a lot more ringnecks than we normally have. So that's number one on my bucket list right now. Everybody's really? got one but me, so I'm hoping I can get one this year. Man, I tell you, I can, I'll extend this offer to you, Carl. You ever want to come down to Louisiana and hunt with me, I'll take you and we'll get you that bucket list uh, ringneck. That's not going to be a problem, I promise you. Yeah, I might just take you up on it one of these days. Here. We need to do that. We need to. We'll, we'll swap hunts. So I can take a kayak uh, hunting trip up to West Virginia, and uh, you come down to Louisiana. We'll feed you well, and we'll uh, we'll take you hunting in the marshes down here, man. Take you down to Cajun food. No, hey, we'll send you back with plenty of food. Bring an ice chest. I promise you, you, you we'll fill it for you, and we'll we'll feed you while you're here. That's not a problem. But uh. But, yeah, we could definitely get you a scalp if that's on your bucket list. Now, you mentioned black ducks earlier. Y'all get black ducks up there. We don't see that down here. That's something. That's one species we don't get an opportunity to really really shoot down here a whole lot. Yeah, the last couple of years, uh, we've been seeing more and more numbers of them. Now, I don't know why that is. and uh, Maybe, I don't know, because I look at it because we're losing less mallards, but we're gaining other birds. So. Yep. So I don't know why that is, like I said, but uh, you know, and you mentioned gabbles. We have seen a lot of gabbles the last two years. We got this one little honey hole. This is just covered up in gabble. We if we want to kill a duck, we can always go there and get a gabble. So that's kind of we kind of save that spot for later in the year, towards the yeah. end of season. Yeah, I'll hey, I'll tell you what, I, I will not shy away from gabble. I absolutely love on yeah. Beautiful birds, big birds, you know, they, they, I love gadwall, you know, and uh, it's a great eating duck. And uh, I, I promise you, we get a good bit of them down here, uh, especially where we hunt the timber. It, it You know, gadwall have, uh, you know, basically moved into the timber where we hunt, kind of like mallards used to. We used to get mallards back in the day. And uh, and we we, we get our fair share of gadwall as well. Um, and I, I love hunting them. I, Jackson, Jackson said this year he wants to kill uh, – you know, a widgeon that's on his bucket list. And he said, Dad, I'd like to get a big Drake Gadwall. He said, Maybe mount it. You know, is widgeon something y'all see up there? And now, last year, there were reports of a uh, widgeon in the area in the state, but I don't, we didn't see any where we hunt at. But I've heard, uh, seen a lot of guys post on uh, social media, they seen them, and a couple guys got them. But I wish we did get them. I'd love to have one of those too. That's a beautiful bird there, I think. That's one of my favorite birds. I, you know, I always tell people, I say, they ask me what you, what you think is the most beautiful bird. And I think a wood duck's the most beautiful bird. Yeah, the colors and, and just the, yeah. the, the way they look, they are they are absolutely gorgeous. But honestly, I don't think there's a, a bad-looking duck. You know, even even hooded margansas and stuff like that that we look at as trash birds, uh, down here at least we do. Uh, I mean, hell, you kill a drake, hooded margansas, and that's an absolutely beautiful bird to mount, you know? Yeah, I, I killed a uh, – 
pair there, I think maybe two or three years ago, and I got mounted. But yeah, they're they're nice looking birds. Yeah. Does Carl Birchfield eat a hooded morganza? Will you eat I a hooded morganza? I have never eaten one. Now. <laughs> I would I would try it. But, I tell uh, you, don't. <laughs> <laughs> that is the nastiest bird I've ever eaten. And hey, look, Carl, if a Cajun can't cook a, something and make it taste good, trust me, you don't want to be eating it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a hooded morganza is so bad, in my opinion, that when you throw it down, the dog won't even eat it. <laughs> that's yeah, just my experience on that. Now, I'm sure they got guys listening to the show that's going to say, oh, you full of crap. Uh, I could cook a hooded morganza, and you never know, and it's delicious. Hey, I, I, maybe you can, but I never met you yet. I can tell you that. <laughs> I I like the two I already killed, I, I had any, and I just got, I got them mounted. So, uh, that's a good place for it. Get them mounted. <laughs> they, make a good, they, they taste better on that wall than they do eating it in your plate, I promise you. So, but they make a beautiful mount. They really do. Yeah, it's a garden, you know? So, and they always get me because they come flying in, and I think it's a damn teal. They fly so fast. They come in, and I pull up. I'm, a, I'm eager to pull up on public land, and I shoot. And then I'm like, oh, shit, that's a hooded organza, you know? <laughs> and, and, and all my brothers are laughing, or we laughing at them if they shoot one, you know? But yeah. uh, it seems to get us every year. We'll, we'll get one or two where we hunt at. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we see, you know, down here in Louisiana, we get a lot of different species. But, uh, you know, predominantly what I told you, that's going to be the majority. Gadwall, you know, we get a lot of gadwall, but we get wood ducks, obviously, teal. And, and gadwalls are three big species that we see down here for the most part. That's pretty good. That's kind of similar to ours, too. I mean, uh, throw in the black ducks here. We get, we're starting to get more of those. And, uh, so I'm looking yeah. to get a cool black duck get mounted, too. So I'm hoping. I had to have one last year, and uh, I decided not to mount it. I kind of wish I would have. So. Yeah, that's a gorgeous duck, man. And like I said, I, that'd be a bird on my bucket list I'd like to get as a black duck. We just don't get a whole lot down here. Uh, we get model ducks in the marshes, you know, which is – I don't know if you're familiar with the model ducks. But no. uh, it looks similar to a mallard, you know, somewhat like a mallard. Yeah, I suppose we actually – you know, just other than pictures, I've never seen one in person. So. Yeah, we'll see them down in the marshes. Uh We'll get them down in Venice, you know, quite often, stuff like that. If you if you ever get it to come down to Louisiana, Carl, we got to get you down to Venice, Louisiana, because it, it Venice is, you know, the mouth of the Mississippi River enters into the Gulf of Mexico right there, and it's a major waterfowl destination. Uh, and you could you, we could go down there, take a trip. You could hunt, fish. We could do everything, man. It, it's really a phenomenal area. We'd have to get you down there. And I'm looking. I, I just see another flock of five or six wood ducks. They're moving late this morning, man. <laughs> they ain't adjusted to that daylight savings time yet. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> they ain't adjusted to it. So, well, Carl, look, man, uh, our time is coming to an end, but I want to thank you so much for coming on with us this weekend, buddy. It's a pleasure meeting you in person. I know we talk online quite often, but, uh, man, with modern technology, it seems like we're in the same room and we get to sit down and talk waterfowl hunting. You don't get much better than that when you can meet a new friend and uh, and talk duck hunting, man. Oh yeah, I agree. I appreciate you the invite. Uh, you know, I'm always going to talk duck hunting, so uh, that's my passion. I'm I'm obsessed with it. Uh, I drive a lot of people nuts throughout the year because that's all I do is talk about waterfowl hunting. So. <laughs> We're the same way. We're the same way. Trust me. Well, where can our listeners find you guys to share? Well, I know we touched on them, but once again, where can they find X Files Waterfowl? Uh, we're on Instagram primarily there. 
X Files and the same on Facebook. X Files on the Facebook or that's a, I got a YouTube. I got one or two videos on it. I'm gonna work on some videos today when I get off here with you. I'm gonna edit my pheasant hunt here and start on that and, and maybe so put together a duck hunt or something. But uh, yeah, on YouTube here, so follow us along. Hopefully I'll have some Good footage from late season here. I'll have that on there shortly. So it's uh, pretty tough for me because um, I usually don't get to do it till Saturdays and Sunday because of work. And then uh, I, yeah. I usually don't get that one or too late. So. Oh yeah, we know how that is. And, and I, I love doing the podcast. I've been recording on Sundays. I love Sunday mornings. You know, it's a good time for the most part. But uh, once we kick up with the duck season opening up here. We're going to be hunting on Sunday morning, so we're going to have to adjust. We're going to have to start recording on another day. And we're going to, we're going to do a couple of podcasts uh, from the Duck Blind this year. We did one last year, me and Jackson, and uh, we had a lot of good feedback from that. So we're going to, we're going to do a couple of them live in the Duck Blind. Uh, we're going to try that and uh, see how that, that turns out. But I'm looking forward to that. But, uh, but look, buddy, I just want to thank you again. I want to wish you guys the best of luck in your, uh, you know, as y'all kick off the or what I would term, I guess, the second split. You call it the late-season split, I believe. Uh, but good luck to you guys, and I hope you all take care. Stay stay healthy. Stay safe out there, and uh, keep sharing those uh, those stories with us, man. We want to we wanna, uh, we wanna stay tuned to that, uh, how the season's going to end up with you guys finishing up. And, uh, guys, go check out Carl, like I said, X-Files, Waterfowl on Instagram. You can find them there, but go check them out. But, Carl, thank you so much, buddy, and we'll do it again hopefully soon. Oh, I hope so. And I wish the best to you guys, too. Thank you so much, man. You take care of yourself. Go uh, go edit some video, buddy. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. You have a good one, Carl. We'll talk yeah. to you soon. Yeah, talk to you later. All right. Well, guys, that's all we have for this week's show. I hope you enjoyed our, our guest, Mr. Carl Birchfield with X-Files Waterfowl. Uh, if you're streaming on YouTube, we appreciate it, guys, if you give us that thumbs up. And hit that subscribe button for future podcast episodes where you guys can see a face that's made, a beautiful face that's made for radio. Uh, so we appreciate you guys tuning in to this week's episode. Don't forget to check out our great sponsors that we talk about on the show every week. Go check them out. Awesome products, great companies to work with. We know you'd be excited with it. Their products and their, you know, the, just their customer service in general. Don't forget to tell them you heard about them on Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Until next week, guys, this is Jacob with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors signing off. Y'all take care, and we'll see you next time. Hey, guys, Jacob with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Are you looking to protect or give your firearm a fresh look? If so, let Wrap It Up Cajun Customs take care of it for you. We specialize in custom vinyl wraps in your favorite patterns, from mossy oak and real tree, as well as many others. Request a quote now by visiting us on Facebook at Wrap It Up Cajun Customs, or give us a call at 985-687-3953. This episode is also brought to you by Benoit Performance Baits. Bait and tackle for all your fishing needs. Benoit Performance Baits offers some of the best soft plastics for bass, sackalay, and saltwater fishing. Whether it's a day on the water trying to catch a mess of fish for a family fish fry, or a heavy bag to win a tournament, we have what you need and what the fish want. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok to place your order now.